Thank you, Pastor. You did an amazing job. Really appreciate it. Uh, I've never been introduced actually that well. Your pastor did a great job, and I really thank him for that. Uh, it's a great honor to be able to be uh, here with you. It's a great honor to be able to partner with you as a church and to be able to serve the Lord together. Uh, first of all, for us, a partnership with uh, you personally. It's, um, it's a partnership with the King, with the kingdom, and um, His uh, beloved son or daughter. I know God has, in, you know, empowered you guys with opportunities, with skills. People are amazing in your church. I mean, you've got people in so many different fields, people that have such amazing talents and knowledge. You know, spiritual gifts are amazing that you have. And together, empowering you together with us, we can empower local churches in Moldova and, you know, and beyond to win next generation for Je generations for Jesus. So this is... Uh, this is a real honor for me to get to know your pastor more and to be a friend with him. He's a great man of God. He's got an amazing family, and that's why he's a great man of God, because he's got a great wife as well. And I would like to say how much I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate the church uh, for your generosity. I think you've got some of the most amazing, generous people that I've ever met. Generous with your time, with your prayers, with your finances. And um, I do appreciate your... You know, your time investment, your effort investment in, uh, in Eastern Europe. Uh, it's been <clears throat> a great pleasure for me to be able to be on this mission with Christ together. It's an amazing journey with Jesus. And I'd like to encourage you, if you have never experienced that uh, special journey with Christ, just think about what I'm going to share with you this morning. Um, walking with Christ is always a surprise. Walking with Jesus is always something amazing. You know, He's... Um, He's got a very specific vision that he has. He's got a very specific mission that he has. And a very specific strategy that he has. And he's welcoming us, all of us, to be part of it. And I'd like to, actually today, to speak about this mission being possible. So many times people think mission is actually not possible. How am I going to do it actually in my life? Am I going to be really able to, you know, to fulfill that mission and that calling that is on me in my personal life? Is it really possible to me, for me to be part of Christ's mission? Can I really be a mission-minded person without becoming a missionary? Can I actually be involved in missions without leaving my home, without leaving my, you know, my, my country, my, maybe the part of the country that I like so much? And actually be part of missions. There are so many, you know, so many times people actually think about that. How can I really have, you know, a purposeful life, a mission-minded life, and a way that actually will grow me, will stretch me, will make me fresh, will give me a sense of purpose, a sense of, of you know, of, a, of enjoying life in Christ Jesus. As something that I can be useful for the King. Yes, I'm working maybe for IT, or maybe I'm in the area of business uh, investments, or maybe I am in, in working in a lab. Can I do something that is purposeful in the greater mission of Jesus or not? Am I just a churchgoer? Or can I do actually something more by just going to the church and by being a follower of Christ? You know, my, my story is, um, <clears throat> it's an interesting, um, you know, it's an interesting work of Christ in my life. And I think every one of us has got his own story. And I would, I would like to encourage you, share your story. 
Because your story is the best platform for Jesus to tell his story through your story. Tell the world about your story. Don't hide it. There's so much beautiful about your story of life. And my story started with, you know, a calling that came out of my father's home. You know, who would ever think in a communist country of Moldova, in a communist family who served for many years communist regime, God is going to look at a little kid there, a simple guy, and, you know, call him to do his work. And I'm honored for such, such a calling. I'm honored to be, first of all, you know, be called to do his work. It's not my business. It's not my mission. It's not my goal. It's not my strategy. It's not my thing. It's to be called to do his thing, to be part of his mission, to be part of his vision. Uh, it was 1988 when I first got, you know, into a, a house church. You do life groups. And I remember that moment when I got first time, I stepped into a house where people were gathered, you know, a couple of people just gathered under the umbrella of the fact that they're having a, 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 a birthday party. Because you could not really open up, I mean, openly meet as a church. You had to have a reason. You had to say like there is a birthday party or there is a, you know, just a, uh, a relatives meeting or something that you had to have a purpose because the Soviet police would walk in sadly being reported to them by your neighbors that there is a gathering in the house after nine o'clock p.m. if the lights are on people watch you know neighbors are watching maybe there are Christians actually gathering that's how I came to know the Lord jumping the fence going to the homes of these people and literally praying for a couple of minutes and jumping back and, uh, you know, so that my parents would not even think about me going somewhere but to the outhouse. We all use outhouses. Not you guys, but we use. You know, you don't have them. Uh, maybe somewhere in the United States, but we still use them. And they're pretty popular and getting more popular in Moldova and beyond Moldova. So, you know, going to this, I would, I would go to the outhouse, but I really go in for a quick in and out and jump to be able to go and pray with these people. And I got to meet that past, those pastors, those leaders who were 17. I met probably one of them that was the longest in prison, was 27 years in prison for the sake of the gospel. You know, and I'm, 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 I'm sitting there, you know, I'm praying with those folks, quick prayer, you know, in and out experience. And I remember that one day, that one day, the man that led me to the Lord, I remember that I said, I want the double portion of your grace on me. I'd like the double portion of the blessing on me. And you know, he literally looked in my eyes and said, do you really know what you're asking for? I'm like, his name was Gabriel. I said, Gabriel. You are like a grandfather to me. Please put your head on my head, hand on your, my head. Please. I got on my knees in front of him. And I said, I'm not going to let you go to my father if you don't lay your hand on my head and pray a double blessing on me. He said, son, you're asking for double trouble. And he was true. He was right. It's double blessing. But there is double responsibility that comes with it. And I'm so blessed that I could actually, you know, spend time with people that I could see who suffered for the sake of the, you know, of Christ, for the sake of their calling, for being part of that, of accomplishing that Christ-given mission. It's amazing. 
And I remember that one day I was with my face down in my, you know, in my, my, my parents' apartment. You know, the Soviet apartment, you know, rocky, rocky floor. I'm on my face down, weeping and crying out, saying, God, take my life and do something with it. And, you know, I just imagined God saying, you know, son, I already have a plan for you. Yeah, you know you, what you're asking for? And you know what? That's probably the most dangerous prayer you can ever have in your life. Because he takes it so serious that he puts you on a seat next to him, says, buckle up and be ready, son. You know, be ready. Be ready for something great, for something awesome. To experience him in a way that probably other ways you would not experience. That's how his story in my life started. You know, with a calling that is so irresistible. You cannot resist this calling. There is nothing that could stop those leaders. We lost about 100,000 leaders that disappeared without a trace during the Soviet regime with the, you know, the communist regime in place. But those leaders went to Siberia. They went to the northern Russia suffering. They would be in prison for 27 years. Lord's Supper, they would have virtual Lord's Supper. They would have the walks in the prison imagining they have a bit of the, you know, the grape juice and a bit of, you know, a piece of, of a loaf of bread there and imagining that they are part of the Lord's Supper. They were doing it knowing there is a greater mission that you are ready to give your life for. And it's the mission of Christ. I know there is no struggle probably in the United States to give your life for, but mission is possible here as well. And His calling for missions is not only for me in Moldova. It's not only for those folks that suffer in North Korea, China, or in other parts of former Soviet Union. But it's also a mission for you, a calling. And people say, but how about, you know, what really I can do? So if you look into your notes, there are a couple of myths that I actually stated right there. And one of them is, I'm not called and I'm not, I'm not gifted enough to be able to be involved in missions. I didn't have that experience. I didn't have those persecuted pastors to lay hands on me and have that, you know, supernatural blessing or whatever. No, 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 no. Come on. God is calling every one of us on mission. And one of the myths that people believe is that I am not called or I'm not gifted enough. What would that be enough, gifted, to be able to do missions locally and internationally? Second myth. I'm not spiritually ready or formally trained to be eligible for missions. Oh, I didn't go to the uh, Gordon-Conwell. I didn't go to whatever, you know, uh, seminary. I didn't go through it. I don't have that big diploma on my, on my wall. I don't have that big ring that would show that I went through such a, you know, an amazing training. So am I really good for missions? Is there any good for me in the missions work? I'm not rich enough. How can I pay for my way? I'm not, you know, I'm not famous. How these, why these people would go and listen, you know, like you saw in the video. Who am I that they would come to listen? That's how, you know, these myths and these, I can even call some of them even are some lies that, you know, people believe about missions. And this is blocking, it is a stumbling block in the way of actually going on mission locally and internationally. So, you, you know, if I would search my heart, I mean, probably there are more myths that come out of it. But it's, it's all about me evaluating and reevaluating and actually saying, Lord, maybe some of these myths, I believe, just take them down. Jesus, just clean my heart. 
out of these thoughts that stop me from making a step for missions, a step into missions, into the mission of my life, into the purpose of my life, the big why, the why I am here, the why I exist, the why I am put it right there. What is the mission that is on me? And I have a couple of quotes for you this morning that is coming from John Maxwell. And, you know, the question is, am I ready to believe that I'm called to do something of significance? Am I called to believe that I can do something of significance in, my, in the marketplace? Am I called to believe that I can do something of significance just among my neighbors? Can I do something of significance? And, you know, I quote, you know, multiple times this quote that comes from Mother Teresa. Making a difference in one life, you make a difference in many lives. It starts with one. It starts with one. Am I ready to make that difference? Am I ready to make a little steps toward actually accomplishing my mission? To accomplish that God-given mission for my life? Is sometimes I think, oh, big steps. But I can say this. If I am involved, you know, little by little with little steps in the local work of the Lord, I will be definitely ready for the greater work of the Lord internationally. There it starts with small steps. It's not about giant, you know, jumps that would get me to the mission work. That's why I start small, but big thing, you know, think big. Start small, but look at the map. Just buy a map, put it at home, put it in front of you. I have the map of the United States that stays right there where, I, you know, I spend more of my time. And I lay my hands on the United States every single week and pray for your country. We pray every single week. On Mondays, two hours, we pray on our knees for the United States. We pray for the world. We pray for your church. We pray for you. So little by little, it is just a little step that you can do to make the difference in missions. Am I ready to discover, you know, what's Jesus-specific vision that I can be part of? Because there are ministries, different ministries. New Hope Eurasia is one of the ministries. If you would look online, probably you would find, you know, close to probably 2 million nonprofit organizations that you can, you know, you, you can invest your time or your money but you've got to find that, discover what is Christ's mission and what's his mission for me as part of his strategy, as part of his vision. And in Luke 4, 18 and 19, in Luke 4, 18 and 19, Bible says this, this how the mission of Christ has been stated. If we would look at the timeline of Christ, of his life, he starts with stating clearly the mission and the vision of his life. And then he finishes with the great commission that is actually the same mission and the same vision, but given unto us. It's a, he's the best leader ever. He's the greatest leader, leader that ever existed. He starts with stating publicly, very clearly, what he is for. What he was, he was, why he came to this planet. And he stops his work among physically or directly physically involved among people by releasing that and onto his disciples. So he starts with Luke 4, 18 and 19, which is a quote from Isaiah. And Bible says, the spirit of the Lord, he opens the scroll in the synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And to set to the liber at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of God's of Lord's favor. Amen. 
This is what he says in his hometown. This is what he finishes his, actually, his work on the planet with the same, almost the same words, but in Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission. In both cases, we have interesting situation. He starts with people that opposes him. Look, if you read through, you will see, yeah, people are asking, is he not the son of Joseph? And the Bible says clearly here, some of the, yeah, some of the people said good things about him. They were all amazed. Yeah, he, and then Jesus, out of the blue, he speaks to the people. And he says, look, you might say, hey, physician, heal yourself. Hey, we're just talking good things about you. Why you jump in right away and say, you might think, you might say, hey, physician, you should probably take care of yourself first. You are not, aren't you not the son of Joseph? Look, he starts with people who appreciated him, and he had people who actually judged him. You will have in mission people who will come and give you a high five for what you do, local and international, and you will have people who will start what? Hey, come on. Is he educated? Is he spiritually up to that level to go? Is he that rich to go on mission? You know what I mean? You've got to stay away from the voices that would say, stop doing it. And Jesus talks clearly and openly to the synagogue. And you know what's the response? They actually got him out, Bible says in verse 29. And they rose up and drove him out of the town, out of his own town. Come on, guys, I'm one of yours. Hey, no, 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 out of the town, brought him to the side of the cliff of the mountain. And they were ready to do what? Go. That's how he starts his mission work. You will have people who will say, come on, man, you can do it. You've got this, the talents. You've got the gift. You can be, you can go. God will provide. Make the step. And you'll have people who will say what? Who are you to go on missions? Do I believe that I'm called to be part of Christ's mission? Do I believe that? Do I understand? I'm not on this planet to accomplish my own my own, to do my own business, to do my own thing. I'm here on this earth to be, to join Christ in what he's doing. So I'd like to share with you a couple of the, a couple of the slides and the pictures that will help us understand a little bit more. First of all, I need to look at Jesus as being the best missionary as an example to follow. I got to follow Jesus as the best example. And Jesus had the most incarnational missions that you ever think of. He became flesh like one of us without sin. Imagine, he took flesh to come among us. It's like your team coming to Moldova, you know, getting off the plane, leaving the United States, your different world, and stepping into the world of Moldova. Going to the homes of those people. Get to the gypsies, which is Roma people that are 17 million people on the planet. Most of them located in Eastern Europe unevangelized among the most unevangelized people on the planet that have caste system they you know you have a lot of trafficking you have a lot of drugs issues you got a lot of other issues sorcery witchcraft you can name it and it's all there and imagine you step up for the cause of christ you jump on a plane like Jesus jumped into the body, you know, and he comes into a very incarnational way and he sits with the sinners. That's how your team did. They sat with the sinners. I didn't even tell them what sinners are in the room so that they're not scared. 
you know? And I don't want to tell you what kind of a sinners were there. Because in God's eyes, sinner is the sinner who needs Jesus. That's all. What about, I mean, does it matter what past that person had in Christ? For God so loved every sinner. He gave his own, own son. So following Jesus, don't look at the past. Don't, don't look at the past of people. Just look at them as an opportunity for you just to love on them. As, as, a, as, as a way for you to accomplish your mission by serving and loving those people. That's what your team did. And if we go farther on, I'd like to show you a couple of other. So, you know, you, you would say, okay, I'm, I'm following Jesus. I understand his mission. Preach the gospel to the poor. Set the oppressed free. You know, get the sight to the blind. But the question is, is it necessary for me to go to Moldova only? So, first thing I'd like to you acknowledge that there is a mission that Jesus has and I can be part of it. That's the first thing. It's so important. It's not New Hope Eurasia, you know, having its own business, its own stuff. I'm inviting you to be part of Christ's mission, nothing else. New Hope Eurasia is just a tool in God's hands. God has given each one of us a mission. Second, mission can be geographically, you know, very specific. It starts here. In your state, in your town, in your family. It starts with you in your heart. The mission starts within us. And then with those who are around us. And then it can be geographically determined. It can go beyond. I have never thought in my life when I was with my face down to the ground that God will call me not only to Moldova, but He will take us to Ukraine, Romania, Turkey, you know. By God's grace, this year, we had 25,000 children in our camps. 25,000. And I would say this, 95% of these kids invited Jesus as Lord and Savior in their lives. And today, the churches, you can see how kids clubs and after-school programs all pop up. You know, discipleship, involve them in the Sunday school classes. You know, we got already teenagers so with the parents came to the church. Many, because through the kids to the parents. And you see how Jesus is changing lives. All I do, it's not my mission, it's Christ's mission. All I do is join Him. I want to be part of it. He came to preach the gospel because the Spirit of the Lord is on him. He came to preach the gospel. How? By becoming one of us. Without going into their homes, I'm not sure they will come to our homes. We got to go to their homes. We got to meet them where they, you know, on that common turf so that they can see in us real people that love them. And that's what your team did. And I'm so thankful to that, for that. You know, to go into a gypsy home, it's not really that easy. In, the, in this area geographically, gypsies are all over. There are so many. Are, you know, some of them used to be nomads. They're settled. People are afraid to go into some of their homes. You know, from the historical, you know, stereotypes. Oh, you go to a gypsy, you get gypped or you get, you know, robbed. You get all kind of other things. There are stereotypes that are so strong in Romania and Ukraine. And we praise God for some open doors among them. You talk about Muslims, you know, and you talk about Islam. 
Just people, when they hear about the word Islam, they are already scared. They don't know exactly what to do with such people. How you start. And you know what I say? Start by just sitting and eating together. You know, for a Muslim person, the fact that you get in, come into their home or you invite them into your home and just eat together or maybe just some another place that you feel more comfortable, just eat together. Yeah, they love, people in the East love to eat together. And when I come to a gypsy home and even those hands are so dirty and it fell on the ground and she picks it up and puts it back in my plate, you know, I, I've got to eat it. Even if I don't like it. You know what I mean? Oh, pastor, I've got some soup for you. Oh, my goodness. How old is the cabbage? <laughs> you know, what else is swimming there? But praise God when they see me, you know, eat with them at their table. When you get on your knees and, you know, you hug their children. Even if you know that my, some animals might jump out of their heads and onto your head. You know, some of those <laughs> special animals. And then you have to clean yourself. You know what I mean? You might shake hands and you think, oh my goodness, where is my sanitizer? Right away, where is my sanitizer? I don't want to get something on. Trust me, Jesus was the best friend of sinners. And I'm one of them. He got himself so much down to the level that he even washed our feet. I'm one of them to whom he washed feet. Praise him for that. So, Mission can be geographically determined. You can start home, start you know, in, your, in your state, in your county, in your state, in your country, and beyond. And come to Moldova and you'll experience that. You'll experience that, which will transform you. It will help you understand how you can do more and better in missions here locally. Second, that I'd like to, yeah, missions start geographically, so it can be, like I said, the third God can, God's call and God's strategy, strategy is all explained in the gospel. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, Jesus says clearly, preach the gospel under the power of the Holy Spirit. I have never seen a life being moved without being moved by the Holy Spirit and the gospel. And I have never seen a life being transformed from the people that we had with the team eating together, some of those people that probably you would wonder, who are they? You know, their lives will not be transformed without the gospel. So we can feed them, we can put clothes on them, which is so important. But we've got to preach the gospel with my life and my words. That's what counts to them. And I'd like to show you a couple of other just pictures on that. So, first of all, is preach the gospel. Be open about it. Don't hide. You know, I'm honored to be able to be married on such a girl. I mean, she's a beautiful girl. I've been married 17 years. It's like been yesterday. I said, look, hey, I just put my, you know, my suit and tie back in the, in the closet. It was like yesterday. And, you know, together we are serving the kids and all these thousands and thousands of, you know, kids with the local churches. Because you know, preaching of the gospel becomes so vital. We have fun. We eat together. You know, we play together. We break bread together. But the most important part is when you see uh, these children at the call of the gospel come forward and say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, be the king of my life. Save me. I think that's the greatest joy. And every single time I walk out of such an event or such a moment, I always say, Jesus, thank you for giving me such an honor 
the honor to do what you've taught me to do and to experience that. There is no greater joy than you see someone that you personally led to the Lord. Oh my goodness. When you see a new spiritually baby that is born, but then don't leave them. Don't leave them. Because Jesus said, I'd like to, yes, in the, under the power of the Holy Spirit, preach the gospel, set the oppressed free, you know, the blind gets the sight, and proclaim God's year of favor. Disciple them. Bring the favor of God in their life. Let them experience the grace. Let them experience the salvation power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm really excited to be part of this. Honestly, excited. I think I, I would not wish on another life for me. This is the life that I wish for others as well. It's not easy, but it's an amazing life. Is to be able to be part of what? Of Christ's mission. Of Christ's vision. Be part of his strategy that is so clearly stated there in the Gospels. Start with small steps. What we do when we do something like this, we have a lot of prayer before. We have prayer teams that pray for the kids. We have, like I said, we have lots of fun with them, but we never hide the gospel because that's so key. If we go farther, I'd like to show you another picture. And this is a lady that your team visited. Your team visited this lady, brought some food. This girl, this girl, mom disappeared. She was sold, mom was, I mean, she went to work in Dubai. And then from there, we have no idea where mom disappeared. A beautiful, beautiful lady disappeared without a trace. Left a kid behind with a grandma to live. They live, they have dirt floor. They don't have a running water, no electricity in the house. I think we just recently, they just recently got some electricity connected to the house. But they, this, they, they grew up without the basics, going hungry, you know, begging for food and experiencing all kind of rejection. So what do you do with such a family? What do you do with such a, you know what, what happens? Because a lot of these people, they cannot read and write. They're so illiterate, they don't have an alphabet in their language. There's no Bible translated into their language. So what we do? We bring them kids' Bibles so that the adults, you know, the adults will actually learn about the Bible from pictures and make it up a story for the kids. So we got to teach them what story to teach, isn't it? That's why day camps are so important, so vital. What we went, what we did is we went to the food bag to such a, you know, to this family. We brought the Bible. We prayed for them. This lady burst in tears. She said, never ever somebody laid hands on me and prayed for me and asked blessing on my house because I've been always cursed. All I've heard is that you've been cursed, your daughter being sold, your kid is here, you know, by herself. She will be a prostitute one day. You know, you are so cursed. Christ's mission, under the power of the Holy Spirit, bring the gospel. And sight to the blind, healing to the broken hearts, and a favor, the year of God's favor. What I saw literally after your team left, I saw an amazing thing. She hosted another lady that came in to live. This house is today. They started cleaning. When Jesus got into the house, they started cleaning around. They cleaned the house inside. They said, Jesus cannot live in my home if it's dirty. So I have to have Jesus in a clean house. 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Start with one. Make the little steps. Understand the mission and the vision of Christ. And say, Jesus, I want to be part of it. I want to be part of your mission work here and there. What are the God's tools? God's tools are the gospel. Give it to them. Be the gospel. Share the gospel. I'd like to show a couple of other <clears throat> pictures and, you know, with the, uh, God's strategy is the strategy of uh, restoration. The mission is the mission of restoration. We have a number of girls that have experienced trafficking. Uh, probably Moldova is being among the t is in the top in the child trafficking. And um, it's sad to say um, we would expect stats to go down. We do have a lot of awareness. We do a lot of teaching in the schools. But what I can say, I can say for sure that the moment the church stands for what is right and shares the gospel in practical ways and in words, and we go to the community, community will start changing. We've got 15,000 kids that each month they hear about, you know, the issues of human trafficking, how to avoid it, how to stay away from evil, how to stay away from the men that were women even that have, you know, mean ideas about, you know, their, these kids' life and how they can be actually um, exploited. So what, I, what do we do? We come and we identify at most risk kids. We went to the orphanage that you saw on the video. We go there. We bring the churches. We connect the church and the, lo and the local churches with the orphanages. So they can go and do ongoing Bible study, you know, life skill development. And we come regularly so that we identify to make sure none of the kids is at, is at risk. It's state-run orphanages. We come and we teach the kids. We tell them, hey, be careful, watch out. But the most important part, I teach them about you know, what they have to stay away from. We teach them the life skills, but we teach them the gospel. Because I know the moment they're with Christ, they make the right decisions. Definitely they need mentors. Definitely they need people that to guide them. So I would, I would say what God is doing through you, it could be in your, in, with your children. Speak to them. Protect them. Speak to the kids in the, your neighborhood, you know. And if God opens an opportunity, serve Serving the local missions in the way that you can actually be of great help. Or with the Sunday school class, kids ministry, wherever you have in the community as a church. Because Christ has a mission and I want to be part of it. This girl, she was trafficked by her own father. And when we talk about trafficking, it's a, it's a very delicate you know, issue. I'm not going to go into details. But I want, to, I want to say one thing. The moment with the child protective services, with the government of workers, we were able to rescue this girl. You know, and be able to pour into her and help her with the medical, you know, needs that she had because of the abuse she went through. The one thing that she really wanted, she came to me one day and said, Pastor, all I want from you, if possible, give me a Bible. Do, would, you, would, you, would you have someone from your kids, you know, in the neighborhood come and say, Ma'am, please, one thing I dare, please give me a Bible. I don't think you'll find much of that, probably. But you know, to see this hunger... Why not be part of Christ's mission? But I do believe people in your neighborhood, they have the hunger. The thing is they don't want to show this. Because I do, I do believe God is working every single heart through dreams, 
through situations in life. He speaks through you, through your relationship with them. This hunger is there, and we're honored to be part of meeting the need, spiritual and physical. If we can continue, I'd like to just be short because my time is all up. When we talk about going on a mission, what can I do? Where do I start? I'd like to encourage you to, in your notes, to read these last couple of words. First of all is pray. God, where do you want me in your great commission? Where do you want me, Jesus? I don't want to be like one of those who doubt you. I want to be the one to say, Jesus, praise you for your mission, for your vision. I want to step into it. And when it comes to your final words, I don't want to be like some of those disciples who doubted. I want to be some of one of those who say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to go for it. I want to be part of it. Jesus, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to see how you created me. What are some of the gifts that you gave me? I want to be put them to use. So when we talk about prayer, pray specifically. Pray specifically when it comes to geography. Where do you want me this year or next year? Maybe it's Moldova. And I'd like to say, come to Moldova. Come more to Moldova. Second, start thinking about, you know, how to put some money aside. Talk to the friends and say, hey, I'd like to go on a mission trip. I've heard about the, the team coming and how God has changed their lives and how they, the God is changing lives through them. I want to be part of it. I want to experience that. Tell people about the opportunities to give. You give yourself, but invite others. And third, go. Just go. Sign up and go. We have opportunities in the area of, you know, kids ministry, VBS, Vacation Bible School. It's an amazing way through the kids to the parents. We got opportunities for you. If you're a nurse or a doctor, we'd love to have you come and do some medical work together. If you are a builder or you know how to build, we would love for you to come and serve in a practical way. Oh, amazing. We got, you know, one of the, one of the stories that you can read in one of our newsletters. It's in the back and you'll be able to pick it up in the back. You'll find a story of a lady who was trafficked and they were... I mean, really a mean story of her life, the how God changed it radically. We stepped into her life. We built a house for her, and it stopped the whole route of violence. And it became such a testimony to the whole community. It can be words. It can be coming and hugging on the kids and loving on them. It could be medical, meeting medical needs of the people. It could be just coming, painting and nailing and helping build something for someone who needs that hope that needs that gospel, that needs you in Christ's mission. I really appreciate the partnership, the love that you have for Moldova. Thank you so much for being so generous. And I'd like to say, see you soon in Moldova. Pack up, put money aside, start praying, and come. Go, go to Moldova. And God is going to change in a meaningful way your life. Thank you so much for your, your time and your attention. Thank you.